Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All The Things podcast, episode 34, Refactoring. I'm your host, Mike Karan, and today we're on a solo mission, as Matt actually has some family matters to take care of, so I'm doing this on my own. (laughs) Uh, So... Pretty much this week, I've just been trying to manage, uh, help out, help Matt out a little bit, make sure I take care of some of the stuff that he usually takes care of, which is something like managing all our social media accounts. I've thankfully only had to manage Instagram so far, but uh, that on its own is kind of quite a bit of work because it's on top of the current work that I'm doing, uh, which is that con- the contract work, the co- consistent weekly, you know grind kind of work that I've, I've been doing and it's it's been great like the contract work has been going really well um we're launching a, we launched a new product in a beta i uh, have some stores testing right now getting some feedback doing some iterations some iterations are bigger than others uh but regardless it's going great and lots of work still ahead but good good first first step kind of thing um so let's get right into the episode then uh, so today's episode is on refactoring and as usual, as Matt usually does, I'm going to go through the segments, uh, introduce the show and then we'll carry on. So segment one will be what is refactoring? We'll kind of go through a little definition there, uh, some definitions. And segment two will be tips, which is where I'll kind of give my tips for how I refactor and stuff like that. Uh, and step three, of course, or segment three, uh, which is our recurring segment, web news. Uh, and this week's web news, I'm just going to be talking about work-life balance, something that I've been kind of working on recently, and I have some input to say and hopefully help out anyone out there and maybe get some feedback from everyone out there. Uh, so we'll let me know how their work-life balance is going. Okay. So without th- further ado, uh, I'll get into segment one, what is refactoring? So refactoring is kind of like changing your code to improve its organization and structure without directly influencing its performance. So it's not like you're optimizing your code. Um, you're just making it, you're just making changes to its appearance per se. So you're, you're changing the way it looks, the way it's read, uh, the way it's structured. That's what refactoring is referring to in, in, in the terms that I'm going to be using it today. Um, and I just want to go through some terminology that I'll be referencing throughout the episode. Uh, and I'll try to, when I reference it, uh, while I'm going through it, I'll try to reference like any of the tips that I do to the terminology that I'm using currently because it's kind of uh, across board for all different kinds of refactoring. So you can maybe take this information into your own workplace and apply it as, as you see fit. Uh, so first term, code smells. So code smell is something that you notice as you're coding that you think will later require a restructure or reorganization or, you know, in quotes, refactor. Um, so as you're coding, you're going to be like, you're going to maybe be under in a rush or something and you might make a decision to do a certain functionality a certain way, knowing in the back of your mind that that's not a, the most efficient way, the best way to write that code 
or B, that you might have to change it in the future because of a future feature that you'll be adding. So that in that is what a code smell is. So you already know that you're going to have to kind of change it in the future. So uh, there's a couple of different ways that we you can tackle a code smell. And I'll get more into that uh, during the tips section here. I just want to kind of outline what the term is. So the next term, uh, extensibility. So extensibility is the ability to later down the road, use the current code that you wrote to extend the capabilities of your program without having to rewrite a large portion of the code. So you want to be able to make sure that your code is kind of future proof. So you know that if you're going to be using, if you're going to be adding something in the future, you're not going to go have to go back and, you know, rewrite a whole chunk of code just to add a feature that you were already planning to add even in the future. Um, that's what extensibility is. Next one, maintainability. Uh, along the same lines, uh, it makes your code easier to fix bugs and find issues down the line when you're not as familiar with it. So again, you're talking about the future here. Uh, you want to make sure that when you're writing code, uh, you you make sure it, it's maintainable, not just for maybe yourself, but a future developer that comes on comes on the team, or even like sometimes it is yourself, but you know a year or two down the line, a year or two removed from code is a long time to go back and try to parse what you wrote because. A, you probably weren't as experienced as you are two years down the line. And B, uh, it's just been so long and so many other projects down the road that you would have already forgotten a lot of the functionality that you're writing. So maintainability is the function of actually writing the code in a way that it makes it easier to go back to and fix and find issues. Uh, the next, the next one is kind of a combination, uh, extraction slash componentization. So this is taking functionality from a method and creating its own method with that functionality. So if you have a long method and it's doing something that you think you can, can take out and put into its own method, that's what extraction is. Uh, componentization is very similar where you kind of take a, maybe a larger, method uh, and componentize it into a different file so that you can use it in multiple different files, multiple different projects, uh, you know, making like kind of a snippet for yourself. So again, these are all things that are in reference to refactoring, which is uh, what we're talking about today. So again, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to move on to the next topic, but I'll try to make, I'll try to reference back to these terms as I'm going through, just so you have, you guys have some sort of a, link between what we're talking about. So segment two, tips. So first tip I want to give is refactor often. And sometimes this is kind of a hard one to do because you think as you're writing code, how do you refactor? Like, why would you want to go back and rewrite a bunch of the code or restructure a bunch of the code, perhaps daily or weekly, however you decide to refactor. But the thing is, is that when you're writing code, especially if you're writing it under a deadline or you're writing, you know, trying to get a feature to work and it's a frustrating thing for you and you're just kind of writing as much as you can to try to you know, commenting out a bunch of stuff, writing, uh, writing multiple different functions that do the same thing to see which one's the fastest or which one's better written. Uh, what, what will happen is if you don't refactor often, you'll forget what you were doing and you might not be able to refactor as efficiently as you did before. So the suggest, like my suggestion is, is to refactor as often as you can. Uh, some people say daily. That to me is a little bit too much. Maybe some small things daily, like, uh, I'll, I'll mention some other techniques maybe like 
if if you refactoring like maybe variable names daily, that could be something. Uh, just maybe you know some some quick small things that will hinder you down the line if you leave it for like a week or two weeks. But definitely try to refactor. I'd say at least weekly, maybe even biweekly. Like or uh, yeah, I think it's biweekly, twice a week. Let's just say twice a week, just not to confuse everyone. Uh, so the next tip I want to give is create a refactor list. So. If you can't do, you know, a refactor completely daily, so what you want to do is as you're writing and you notice a code smell, again, referencing that term from the first segment, uh, write, write down in a, in a to-do list or whatever program you use, uh, for your listing, however you do it, uh, maybe even jot it down on a piece of paper. Uh, keep a list of all the stuff that you think you're going to need to refactor in the future. And again, this is for your future self, uh, because as you're writing code, as you're going moving from function to function, as you're moving from class to class and feature to feature, you're going to forget what it is you need to refactor in the other feature. And going back and having to parse through and make those decisions post writing is going to be a lot harder and more time consuming than it is as you're, as you're writing it. So if you are on a deadline, if you are going through code really quickly, and you notice a code smell as you're writing it, and you're not able to address it at that current time, which I'm sure has happened to many, many people and will happen going forward because of the deadlines that we that we have thrown at us, uh, because our industry is so demanding in, in the sense that we don't really get those, you know, long m- month, two month, even three month uh, periods where we can actually just go and make clean code. It's usually a quite quick, agile methodology. Make your make sure that you are um, keeping a list of everything that you're noticing that you might have to refactor, and that'll again as you're going forward and you have some time to refactor, which I actually did uh, last week. I had a week to kind of go back and refactor a little bit. I was thankful that I actually kept a list of all these things that I had to refactor. Otherwise, I would have to go back and figure all that out. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, the next is change obscure variable names to proper named variables. And this is in reference to maintainability. Again, one of those terms from segment one. Uh, and what I'm referencing here is when you're, when you're writing code, sometimes you'll write something quickly, like trying to get a function to, to do something and you'll use variable names like A, B, X, Y, something like that. Uh, that is not the greatest referencing material for someone that's newly reading your code. So when you're writing code, try to make it, try to think that someone else is going to be reading your code and trying to figure out what it does. And with that, use variable names that people will understand. Like if you're, you know, measuring the length of a line, use uh, length of a, like line length as the variable name. Uh, if you're, if that's going to be the calculation, you know, for the function use measure length, uh, stuff like that, like easily readable, easily understandable function, function names, easily understandable, understandable variable names, uh, so that a, you don't have to write a bunch of comments to explain your code and B, you don't have to worry about someone in the future, not being uh, be able to understand it, or even yourself not being able to, uh, being able to understand what's going on in your code that you're currently writing. So. That that's just another suggestion. Make sure that you write very properly named variables, um, and also use appropriate variable types. Uh, and I've been kind of 
trying to get into this as much as I can, but uh, in JavaScript, we don't really have much choice anyway. We have lets, const, and vars. Unless you're using TypeScript, that's a whole other subject. Uh, I'm not currently using it, so I don't really have any input on that. But essentially, those are the three variable types that you have. Um, if you have a more typed language, please use the correct types as you're, as you're writing the variables. But for us as web developers, those are the three that you have. Try to make sure that you're using the right one. So if it's a const, make sure it's not changing in the, in, in, down, down the line. Uh, you know, if it's a, if it's a let, make sure it's like, you know, locally scoped let and you're changing it. And there's a reason why you you chose let, um, in your thing. I don't really use vars as much anymore or at all. Uh, so I try to keep it between let and const. There are reasons to use vars and let and, and vars and let. Um, I don't want to get into them right now because that's kind of a whole separate topic. Maybe if you want to hear something else about that, let me know uh, on Twitter at HTML everything or on Instagram HTML other things, and we'll get back to you on that. So essentially, make sure that you're using the right variable types for your, the right variable because again, this will help you your future. You understand that oh, okay, I used a let here, so that means in the future I should be changing this. So where am I changing this? And you can quickly control F and see where you're changing it. Uh, that kind of stuff will help you in the future. So next thing, when you notice you're using the same or or similar functionality in multiple functions, externalize that functionality into its own class or its own function. Uh, and again, this is in reference to one of those terms again, extraction slash componentization. Uh, so that could be a separate function or it can be a separate file. So you could be, you know, you can make it its own class with a lot of extensible functions in its own class. Sometimes, uh, you know, you'll use a function similarly across different, different uh, methods. But what you'll notice is that you're still doing something slightly different. So you'll need to make it a little bit more extensible. So you'll need to maybe do some manipulation to the data you're passing into it before it can pass out the data that you need. So you might, you might want to make that a class, uh, you know, with, with a couple of different functions inside that class that help you manipulate that data. Um, and with, with that being said as well, it's like being able to use the, the functions and across different files in Vue.js. And I just want to reference a couple of times, like I'll reference Vue.js as we're going through this, because that's kind of something that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast and something that I've been using a lot, but there's this thing called mixins. Um, and I've been meaning to actually go into them more in depth because what they allow you to do is actually be able to externalize methods and being able to use a method uh, in any of the components that you have. So any component files that you have. So a mixin kind of globalizes a method for you. Um, now in the future, I've heard that we're going to be switching to hooks in Vue.js as well. I know React is kind of a little bit ahead on the hooks front, but I believe Vue has an experimental hooks feature as well that I might look into. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, how, how it goes. So next is remove old code that you previously commented out. Um, and so, like like I said before, when you're writing really quickly, sometimes you might want to try a couple of different things, and that will involve you to, you know, comment out this chunk of code, uncomment this chunk of code, see how it runs, and stuff like that. It's really easy to just go on and move on to the next feature and forget to do, forget to, uh, like, you know, uncomment or delete those lines, and then you'll have a bunch of, you know, garbage code in your code going back to it in the future. It might, it might be confusing. Again, it's about that uh, maintainability in the future of your code. Um, 
So make sure that as if, if you can, and this is not possible all the time, delete the commented code that you don't need right away. If you can't, when you go back and make sure to, when you go back and refactor, make sure to delete that code as soon as you can. Um, just not to confuse yourself in the future. Next is clean up unused files, folders, functions, and images. So again, this is kind of on the same breath. It's maintainability. If you have a bunch of unused files, going back to that code might be confusing. Like, okay, you go to this file that is like uh, some some sort of JavaScript class file, and you're you're like, where am I using this? Why is this even here? So you spend a certain amount of time trying to figure out why you're using it, only to find out that it was something that you coded a long time ago that you're actually stopped using in the future because you found an easier way to do it. Happens all the time. Uh, so make sure that you kind of remove those files as you're going. Uh, and again, if you don't, then either A, use that refactor list I was talking about and write down that not using this file anymore, remove in future. Um, or, you know, just as you're going, as you're in your refactoring stage, spend a little more time and figure out the files that you aren't using anymore if you didn't make that refactor list in the first place. Um, this is, and then the functions and images, the same kind of thing, uh, as the commented out code, you just, you don't want a bunch of unused and uh, unutilized stuff in your code to confuse people that will might have to develop might have to maintain it in the future. Again, it's a maintainability aspect images. Um, that, that's something that could be considered optimization and might not be considered refactoring. Uh, but again, I think it is in sense refactoring because, uh, it's again that confusion aspect. Like, why do I have all these images in this folder here? Uh, now you have to go back and figure out where I'm using them in the application. Again, it's that time waste and you don't want to do that. Next is change code to be extensible to your needs. So again, obviously this is extensibility, referencing to that term in segment one. Uh, so during spurts and short deadlines, sometimes you'll write code that just gets something working and while realizing that certain functionality that needs to be implemented in the future just won't work with the current implementation. Uh, so like it happens, you know, you're under a time constraint, you have to get this functionality working for this deadline, but you know a feature in two, three sprints from now will not be able to utilize that functionality or you'll have to change that functionality to be able to utilize that feature you're you're thinking about two or three sprints so what happened in 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 an example that i had to do recently was uh, internationalization so being able to change the language of my application there was some dynamic content that i was filling in in the application and in the future i know i'm going to have to convert like change english to spanish in the future uh, and there are certain aspects of how I was doing the reactivity of the code that would have made it more difficult to do that. So I had to go back and kind of refactor my code and change some of the functionality of it uh, to be able to add that feature in the future. So it's kind of it's again looking ahead, making sure your code is extensible, making sure your code is able to complete all the features that you have planned in the future, not just the right now. Um, Another thing, and this is more of a, on the breath of the, the feature, the, what we talked about beforehand with the maintainability, remove unused libraries. Again, going back, why am I, why am I not using this or why is this library here? Trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and especially when you're writing code quickly, you're kind of adding libraries here and there fairly quickly. 
And that's kind of bogging you down, bogging your code down. There's no reason to have like, you know, five different libraries that do sliders uh, because at one point you were trying to find out what the best one was and then you forgot to remove them. It's just, it's a waste of time, waste of code, waste of packaging, waste of downloading every time and stuff like that. Um, try, try to keep it minimal, as minimal as you can. Uh, next thing is use tools like P Prettier and Lint to help maintain your code structure on a daily basis. So I've been trying to get myself into this kind of rhythm as well. Uh, now that I'm especially working with a team, uh, it's, it's much more valuable to have a more standardized approach to your structure, to your code structure. So, you know, do you use tabs or spaces? Do you have a, you know, arrow function or do you do expression functions? Uh, how do you like, which one do you choose and stuff like that? So if one person uses arrow function and another person uses expression functions, it's going to make your code look kind of rinky dink, uh, not as clean, not as well thought out as you would want it to be. Uh, so what, what, prettier and linting does is it actually automates that functionality so you can set like i want only spaces and what it'll do is you and you can set this on save or on commit uh, it'll go through your code and it'll change all your tabs to spaces or again i want only arrow functions so it'll look that you have an expression function that's labeled function and all that and you'll and it'll change it to an arrow function and everything will be maintained like that. And so that, that will remove, that will allow a couple things, a new developer to come on and be able to write code the way he likes to and still maintain the same structure in your code. And maybe he'll, maybe they'll, uh, change their ways into more what you're thinking once they see what you, what you've made your linting profile or your, uh, your prettier profile. Um, and then kind of, you know, convert their methodology to your methodology or they could continue writing their code the way they like as long as that linter and prettier functionality will convert it to what you need which is fine B both ways are fine in my opinion like i don't i don't like to tell people no this is completely wrong like if i'm using tabs and they're using spaces again this is the more most generic example but I don't really care like that. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a hindrance to me, you know, a hiring someone to me, uh, you know, working with someone that shouldn't be a stopgap being like, okay, well, if you use tabs and I, and I use spaces, we can't work together. No, that's, it, it's annoying because of the, you know, being, being able to have the same kind of type code, but again, prettier and lint together will help you fix this problem and you won't have to worry about it. Um, and the next thing is, uh, I don't really like to promote this as much because I'm much more, um, I'm much more in a way of writing functionally named code, but add comments to sections of code you need to exp explain. So again, this is on, on the maintainability aspect of it. Sometimes there will be certain aspects of your code that you can't just explain with, uh, the type, the names of the variables and the names of the functions. As much as I like to think that some of like all the time, I'm only going to use those things. I do add some comments to my code to make sure that certain, especially more complex actions. Uh, like if I'm sorting some sort of array to accomplish a certain specific task, um, I'll try to comment that piece. Like here I'm sorting an array and doing this for a specific task. And so that when a person comes back to it in the future, they'll know what that certain more complex piece of code does. Uh, again, don't overuse comments 
as much as you can, try to use functionally named variables and functionally named uh, functions. Uh, but sometimes you have to go back to the tried and true method of comments and you'll need to do that. Um, so that those are kind of my quick tips on the refactoring that I've been doing recently. And this is not a, like an a exhaustive guide on refactoring. There's plenty and plenty of resources out there uh, to read on how to what to refactor. And uh, I'll, I'm planning on actually getting more into it as well. Uh, I'll try to get some more materials for for you. I, I'll probably post the post it in a medium article. That's kind of my my goal with this is uh, I learn about it a little bit. Uh, I dive deeper into it, write a more in-depth in article on it, and then I'll kind of release it to everyone in, my, in the audience. And we'll, we'll definitely let you know when that's out so you can take a look and I'll have some source material there for you to A, read up real quick on, and then B, do another deep dive on if you're more interested in refactoring. I think it's a very important skill to have because it's it's kind of required. Like if you're going to be writing janky code all the time, uh, it's not going to look great on you when you're trying to get new jobs, new contracts and stuff like that, uh, especially down the line. Like if let's say you're a, a superstar programmer uh, and you can get anything done, any task done, but in, in a year or two, someone has to go back to your code and they can't understand a word that you've written. It's going to be harder for the person that hired you to recommend you to someone else because they can't maintain your code. It's just a very difficult aspect and it's one of the more difficult things about coding, to be honest. I, I had um, situations in university when I was had to do some pair programming and we had to do some coding together where uh, I just couldn't understand a person's code. Like he was writing all of his variable names with without any sort of uh, information. Like it was just literally letters, A, B, C, D, E, F. Like all of his function names were also A, B, C, D, E, F. Uh, it was just not very... There's no comments, nothing, and it was really hard to work with him. But he was a really, really good programmer, but not many people in the class wanted to work with him because he wasn't very good at articulating himself about what he's doing in the code. And he wasn't very good at, again, writing maintainable and understandable code. So even though he was a great programmer, it kind of – it was tough to work with him. And you need to be – you need to be good to work with. You need to be able to explain what you're doing. You need to be able to uh, look back on something in the future and be able to, you know, extend extend its functionality, rework its functionality, use that functionality on a different project in the future, stuff like that. Like that's a really important skill to have uh, for a coder. So hopefully that helped. Any, that helped some people out. Uh, let us know definitely with a comment or again a Twitter. DM or just a you know retweet us or something uh, message us if if it helped you out if uh, you have any other questions let us know we'll try to answer as many as we can for on the terms of refactoring um, so I think that's it for the segments I'll move on to the last segment which is our recurring one web news uh, and it's on work life balance um, so what I've been trying to kind of work with now is uh, I'm kind of a contractor freelancer. We have our small company with Matt. Uh, it's called Digital Dynasty Design and we do contracting, freelancing, quite quite a bit of it at this point. It's it's fairly busy. It's it's going pretty well. Um, and then we're also doing HTML, the things kind of on the side, uh, doing this podcast every week, doing some article, like medium articles, uh, currently getting into YouTube videos, YouTube tutorials. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But Pretty much 
how do you balance that amount of work that you can do kind of infinitely every day with life? So I have a wife, I have friends, I have a fa- I have like a you know family around me. Um, so I constantly have to kind of schedule my day to make sure that every everything kind of fits into it. And sometimes it's hard. Like this last couple of weeks when I was doing uh, had that crunch time and I had the deadline, uh, I was working maybe. 10 to 12 hours a day or something like that, something crazy. And I still did manage to fit in some time with my wife, fit in some time with family. I still managed to fit that in because I, as a freelancer, you have a lot more flexible schedules. So one of the, like one of the disadvantages some people find is that you don't have that nine to five work schedule. So you can't turn off at five and just, you know, go about your daily life. But that's kind of an advantage in my eyes uh, because depending on your situation, if you're, for instance, if your wife, wife also works from home, you can kind of spend your, the the best parts of the day together. So if, you know, if you're not into the crowds and if you're not into the traffic, well, I mean, no one's into the traffic, oh, no one's into traffic. You can go out at one or go out at like, you know, 10 a.m. and do your shopping and stuff like that. Uh, you know, have a lunch date on a weekday, <laughs> like stuff that you wouldn't be able to do if you had that nine to five job on a consistent basis. Uh, I can, you know, extend my lunch by a, a bit of time and come back and work that extra hour in the evening, barring any meetings and stuff like that. But I can do that on a consistent basis and work around it. And that helps me kind of maintain that work-life balance and try to not I wouldn't say appease because I enjoy doing it, but I I would say maintain my sanity almost because if I was just sitting there and working twenty four hours a day or working even like eight hours a day at the time that my wife had off, uh, and I wouldn't be able to see her for the you know if the other hours of the day, then we wouldn't be able to see each other. That would drive me crazy, and it probably would drive her crazy, which would in turn drive me even crazier and stuff like that. Um, I, so being able to kind of accommodate for those kinds of things, that's a huge advantage of being a freelancer and a contractor, something that people should really look at very in depth when they're deciding, should I go the regular job route? Should I try to become a contractor? Should I do a hybrid of both stuff like that? It's definitely a huge advantage in my eyes. Um, so a structured day is great, but everyone has a different work rhythm and being able to structure your day based on that can greatly increase productivity. So for instance, for me, my peak hours of work are early morning. So, you know, 9 a.m. till about 1 p.m. Those those times I work extremely efficiently, extremely effectively, extremely productively. And then uh, late, early evening as well. So anywhere from between like 3 p.m., 4 p.m. till about 7 p.m., 8 p.m. So those are those are my hours that I do the best work. Uh, and I figured that out through extensive, you know, working and trying different kinds of schedules. Those that's my those are my best hours. So I try to schedule my day around that. So if, if I have any errands to run, I run them in the middle of the day, the afternoon when I'm one of my least productive states. So, you know, right after lunch, I don't like to work right after lunch. I need a little bit of downtime. Uh, I need need some me time, need some like, you know, hanging out with the wife, stuff like that. So I schedule my work day around the times that I'm the most productive whenever I can. Obviously, there's certain situations when 
I have meetings and stuff like that. You accommodate for those situations. But for the most part, I try to schedule my day around that. So that's another thing to consider. Uh, Make sure that you're able to do stuff like that. Make sure that you're able to uh, structure your own days. It's really not as easy as it sounds. And it it took a lot of work from me. Um, What helped me was I was... While I was in school, so I did I did college for four years uh, or three and a half years, and then I did university for two and a half years. Um, and while I was doing that, I was also working. So my days were constantly really full. So I was constantly busy and it was kind of like extreme. It was a, it was a hectic lifestyle. So I was either working, you know, side jobs as a, uh, a cook at a restaurant or and then eventually, but in university, eventually, I was actually working at for Digital Dynasty Design. Uh, we were and we were starting our web design business, web development business. So that that was also a ton of work on the side of going to school. Um, so it, I've always kept myself busy, and my my days have always been kind of needing needing structure. So I had to be structured. So now going into actually having my own company and being able to structure my own days, it was a little bit easier for me because my days were already kind of had structured before. So I just carried on that structure as much as I could going forward. But I, I can see, and I have seen for some people it being a challenge being, having to structure your own days. Uh, like, you know, some people really like they're good at working in the mornings, but then they'll sleep in and they'll waste that time in the morning and not being able to be productive in the afternoon and then trying to make up for that, you know, working up up until like three, 4 AM when they're not as effective. Uh, some people are great at working late nights, so I'm not saying that that's everybody, but like everyone knows who they are or everyone can figure out how what their be- more productive times are and try to accommodate for that. That's my suggestion. Figure out your productive times and schedule your workday around those times instead of the other way around. Um, so those are kinds of the things that I do for work-life balance. Like I, I, I do other stuff like go to the gym to kind of separate my day's work, uh, I try to go for walks and stuff like that to, again, try to take myself out of work a little bit sometimes, especially during crunch times when, you know, you're constantly thinking about work. But essentially, yeah, keep your work-life balance as much as you can. It'll help your sanity. It'll help your family situation. It'll help everything about you, everything about it. Make sure not to neglect that. I think that's a huge part of being a successful entrepreneur, being a successful developer, being a successful person in general. Um and I'm going to leave it at that. I think we're, we'll cut this episode a little bit short, shorter than we usually do. Again, we don't have Matt uh, to get, provide that great back and forth that we usually do. And we're sorry about that. Next week, I believe he'll be back and uh, we'll have a really awesome topic for you. And we'll talk, we'll talk about it more then. But I'm just going to run the conclusion here. So thanks for listening. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML of the things from Facebook and Instagram at HTML Everything on Twitter. You can check us out on Medium. You can check us out on GitHub. Uh, And don't forget, remember, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash HTML of things. So give that a go and try out the tiers. Uh, And feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening to this. Signing off.